Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is May the 8th, 2020. Uh, Boy, oh boy, what a week this has been. I hope all of you are well, uh, literally, in every sense of the word. Uh, We're living um, in an era that almost seems like a science fiction movie. I remember uh, that film with Dustin Hoffman. I believe it was called Outbreak, uh, and here we are. In the midst of a nightmare that just a few short weeks ago, it feels like months or maybe a year ago, we never could have imagined. Although we have always known that there is a threat that we could have pandemics, we could have epidemics. The human species has known about this threat uh, for many, many, many years. In fact, Ellis Island is, um, was a quarantine station. At the time of its completion, it was actually the largest hospital complex in the entire United States of America. And immigration authorities ran Ellis Island, not in conjunction with U.S. Customs so much as with public health. The concern was that because there were no antibiotics, there were no real modalities of treatment, uh, something as simple as pink eye could cause many people to lose their lives. So there was a huge concern that if you permit people to come to America from countries where there were diseases present that we did not have here and so we didn't have an opportunity or our bodies didn't have the opportunity to build up our immune systems, that uh, we could lose a lot of people. And that's why Ellis Island was built on an island, in fact, an artificial island constructed on the debris that um, was the result of the excavation for the New York subway system so that nobody could get from Ellis Island to the United States without getting on a ferry that was run by immigration and public health. It was literally impossible to make it to the mainland of the United States. There was no such thing as catch and release. So here we are in the year 2020 with all of our sophisticated resources and understanding of virology and diseases facing a global pandemic that has already caused God knows how many, I'm going to guess a couple of hundred thousand lives. Um, God forbid more will lose their lives. How many more second economies have been shut down around the world? Uh, We may have to rethink finance and money and deficits. I mean, this illness, this virus is shaking our species to the core. Uh, Here I sit in my house in Brooklyn, in New York City, a virtual prisoner, not of any crime that I may have committed, but of crimes committed by the Chinese government. And what was the crimes? Well, at the least, not notifying the world that they had a serious health issue and then isolated to keep it from spreading around the world. According to published reports, China permitted their citizens in Hunan province, the center of that epidemic, to get on airplanes and fly all over the world while those same people would never have been permitted to go to any other location within China. And then if you look at the conduct of China following that, you have to ask, was this by design that they sent people on airplanes? Um, What was behind it? And we may never know. They certainly didn't let American scientists, the best in these areas of study, to go to China to try to help them. And the World Health Organization basically colluded with China to deceive the entire world. The same World Health Organization that many organizations rave about. Oh, how wonderful. The World Health Organization. Maybe not so much. And President Trump was right to saying we're not going to give them any money until they clean up their act. This pandemic, I have come to the conclusion, but I'm not an expert, but from everything that I've read, the pandemic could have been stopped dead in its tracks if China had done the right thing, if the World Health Organization did the right thing. 
And then I've seen reports that in places like Australia, China actually, um, they had Chinese, um, Australian factories in China. China allegedly nationalized those factories, took control of the factories that were manufacturing personal protective gear for um, hospitals and nurses and, and that sort of thing, face masks and ventilators um, and, and a host of other products essential to healthcare workers to deal with the pandemic. And they also allegedly, maybe billions of dollars worth of all that gear, shipped it to China, not just to care for their own people, because I really don't think they give a crap about their people, but they then did a, a thug move and then notified governments around the world and companies around the world, hey, you want masks? You want ventilators? We've got whatever you need for the right price. And the right price was through the roof. Many times the price of the original cost. They were repackaging it according to one news report, this equipment, and it was about profiteering when they knew that people would be dying. Our most favorite trade partner. You know, when I was a kid and you try to find your way in the world, your parents, if they're good, and my parents were exquisite, I hope I'm half the parents of my kids and my parents were to me, warned me. They said, you know, not everyone's a nice guy. Some of your friends are wonderful, some of them not so much. But the one principle my mom always made a point about was one-sided relationships are not relationships. Kind of sounds like this so-called relationship we have with China. They send us to their students, we educate them, and then they steal from us. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. And we've seen where universities, and I've written about it for Front Page Magazine. I hope that after you listen to my program, you'll go to frontpagemag.com. My latest article just published this morning, Chinese Espionage Made Possible by Immigration Failures, the subtitle, What Visa Fraud Does to Our National Security and Public Health. We admitted into our country hundreds of thousands of, of Chinese scientists and computer programmers and engineering students. We educated them, and they repaid our um, efforts to, to help them out by um, robbing our intellectual property, by seeing universities as the place where they could propagate propaganda, spread the word about how wonderful China is. And when they look at some of those journalists, that uh, so-called journalists, you know, my degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. At one point I had played with the idea of being a journalist because journalists are very much like federal agents. They're supposed to be fact-finders, fact-finders. But if you listen to the news conferences, many of these young journalists who I'm going to imagine were drinking the Kool-Aid being served up by China at their universities, not with one straw but with two straws, um, seem to not understand the threat posed by a communist dictatorship that is determined to ultimately control the world. China is the ultimate control freak. Simple as that. And so we have a situation where the Democrats and the Republicans aren't competing for governance there's a war being waged politics has always been filthy uh, at one point i played with the idea of running for congress and i looked at what was going on and i thought my gosh why in the world would i do that to myself and in particular why would i do it to my family and to show you how dirty it is look no further than the michael flynn case general flynn the three-star general who served america well for more than three decades went in harm's way in the Middle East, and right in the battle zones, great American, great leader, had worked for Obama. And according, again, Fox News talking about how uh, Michael Flynn did not want to go with the program and say that after bin Laden was taken out, that we had al-Qaeda on the run, something President Obama was trying to convince the American people about. You know, GM is, is, is open and bin Laden is dead and al-Qaeda is on the run, if you remember that business. And so here's the point to understand. We have got to remember that General Flynn was under oath when he went before Congress, under oath when he was questioned, and apparently he didn't want to go with the program, called it as he saw it. Bin Laden was dead, no two ways about that, but al-Qaeda was hardly vanquished. It was spreading its tentacles out. And then we had the development of ISIS, and we had the caliphate. And can you ever forget the images 
of those men in those orange jumpsuits look similar to what detainees wear in our prisons, uh, being beheaded, being beheaded. And Flynn, as a general and ethical, said, hey, listen, the threat's not done. We're, we're not over. This isn't like Bush's absurdity when he landed on that aircraft carrier with the big banner, mission accomplished. What mission? Landing on the carrier? What mission exactly? It was an outrageous thing to see George W. Bush land on that aircraft carrier in his flight suit. How macho. You know, it reminded me of the president in Independence Day, that the character that played the president, right? There's George W. Yes, he was a fighter pilot in, in, the, in the reserves, but landed on the deck of the aircraft carrier. Mission accomplished. We can all go home now. Not quite. So we had the same deal with Mr. Obama, you know. Al-Qaeda is done. Not really. And ISIS sprang up and other splinter groups sprang up. And we've had terror attacks around the world since then. So according to one theory, that was why the animosity existed between Obama and General Flynn. There's also another possibility. When you look at all of the nonsense, all the, I shouldn't call it nonsense, all the corruption involving Hunter Biden with the Ukraine, with China, with the petroleum business, with the energy business, I really think there was a concern that if Michael Flynn was confirmed as the national security advisor to the incoming Trump administration, he would easily uncover the craziness going on. Um, And I think that that was a problem. And so he was set up. And, and, And I want to talk about that before we talk about China, because this is so important, because it's infuriating to watch this as an American, but as a former agent, And I was at war with my agency because I was unhappy with what was going on at the old INS. And who could have been happy? It was a failure. But as my dad said to me, nothing is so good it couldn't be made better or be so bad that it couldn't be made worse. Well, somehow George W. Bush found a way to make the immigration program for the government, the enforcement of our laws, even worse. He created what I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. And I've read this before to you. We don't have the time today, but suffice it to say that on, I believe it was May the 5th, just the anniversary just passed. Also the anniversary, by the way, of Alan Shepard making America's first flight into space on Liberty Bell 7, a 15-minute suborbital flight. Who could forget that? I ultimately got a letter from Alan Shepard when I wrote to him. I also got one from Gus Grissom. They were my heroes, real heroes, Uh, not the pretend heroes, okay? These guys really have the right stuff. I've met a number of astronauts along the way, and they really are inspirational to me, to talk to them, to to know what they've done, the dangers that they face down. And and, and I look at what the veterans have done for America, and we can't seem to give our country away fast enough. And both parties are involved, but the Democrats have really lost their minds. They've lost their moral compass, and they've totally lost their minds. And so um, you have General Flynn, being set up and it's true and and i don't understand how reporters can look at the facts and and say oh it's the justice department playing politics the justice department is being corrupt what was done with flynn going to the fisa court to get the warrant to tap his phones without justification because if you look at the timeline it was clear that everybody involved knew by the time that the fisa warrants were being extended that Everybody knew that the Steele dossier was was science fiction. And I can tell you that as a federal agent, I swore out many arrest warrants and many search warrants. And the magistrate asks you to raise your right hand and then asks, do you swear that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Or they will ask, "Do do you swear that the information contained in your affidavit is the truth, the whole truth? Well, it's not just a ceremonial question. Those words are significant because if you lie, you're committing a crime, a serious crime, fraud against the United States government. We don't go on fishing expeditions with warrants. Before you get the warrant, you need to have articulable facts. You need to have an informant who met with the person and said, yes, last night I was in the house, I saw a submachine gun and bricks of heroin, bricks of cocaine, I, you know, whatever it is. And then the magistrate will ask you, you're working with an informant. How many times have you worked with this informant in the past? Has this informant ever been wrong? 
How many times is the informant right? Do you consider the informant reliable? And sometimes, not often, but sometimes the magistrate would come back because as an agent you develop a good sense, hopefully you do, as to what meets the minimum standard to seek a warrant. I've seen a couple of occasions where a magistrate who was a stickler would say, okay, Agent Cutler, I need a little bit more evidence. We're almost there, but not quite. Can you do X, Y, and Z? Yes, Your Honor, I can. And then you go out, you do whatever the magistrate asks you to do in addition to corroborate the evidence, and then they issue the warrant. We don't take warrants lightly. And the FISA court is no different. FISA is the domain of the FBI, not immigration. I never went to FISA court, but I have friends at the FBI who did, and I can assure you that the process is very much the same. You're supposed to swear to the fact that the information upon which you are basing the request for the warrant or the subpoena is entirely truthful, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Clearly that wasn't the case. Now, how anyone could say, oh, the Justice Department has gone rogue, protecting Flynn, protecting Trump. No, this was a miscarriage of justice. You may not believe this, but as a federal aide, former federal agent, I'm a huge fan of Barry Sheck's Innocence Project. In fact, uh, Barry Sheck and I locked horns in a case in Queens. I arrested an individual in conjunction with the FBI suspected of being a member of the IRA, the Irish Republican Army. Purportedly, he was involved with sending bomb components back to Northern Ireland, uh, which were used to kill people, including a judge and his pregnant wife. Now, we weren't charging him with that, but when I went to the house to interview him, during the consent search, I found a gun in his closet. He immediately hit himself in the head and said, oh, goodness, that's my gun. We charged him with the firearm. It went to trial. Somehow, Barry Sheck managed to convince the jury that the guy wasn't guilty. How that happened is beyond me. Sheck looked as shocked as I was, and the magistrate polled the jury not once but twice. And Barry Sheck came up to me afterwards, and I was very complimented when he shook my hand and said to me, Agent Cutler, you're the worst nightmare I ever confronted in a courtroom. And it was a very professional exchange between the two of us. In fact, it was interesting because I don't even know if he started it or I did, but the trial went on for about a week between jury selection and everything else. And every morning he would come up to me or I'd go up to him. We would shake hands. And I think Barry started this. And he would tell me the most explicit, dirty joke you could imagine, and I returned the favor. And then we went into the courtroom and went after each other like cats and dogs. And, and the point to that was to say this is business, nothing personal, which is the way it's supposed to be. It's about the facts. It's about justice. It's about fairness. That's why Lady Liberty wears a blindfold. Barry Sheck started a program called The Innocence Project, and he started it because there are many people on death row, and this is why I have certain reservations, serious reservations about the death penalty. Not because I think it's wrong to take the life of somebody who commits heinous murder, and, and not just murder, but you know, usually you're really talking about something pretty horrific. I always worry about a miscarriage of justice people that will plead guilty, people that, and, and there's a lot of pressure being brought to bear. And the government can wage a war of attrition against anybody because essentially the government has infinite pockets the average person does not. And in fact, General Flynn lost his house, went bankrupt, defending himself against what now turned out to be fake charges. So Barry Sheck came along, the technology was brand new, it involved DNA, and he created the Innocence Project by using DNA to show that some of the people in jail, some of them awaiting the death penalty, actually were not guilty. The DNA evidence was conclusive and exonerated them. And I'm a big fan of that. It's not about hanging scalps on your belt. I guess for some people it is. It has never been for me. It has always been about justice. And for FBI agents to go to the FISA court and base a request for a subpoena or a warrant on a bogus document, terrifying. It should scare the crap out of you as much as it scares me. And I'll tell you why. If they could do this to General Flynn, folks, they could do it to any one of us if it becomes politically expedient. You don't play games with the truth and you don't play games with justice. 
And I remember when Richard Nixon was accused in Watergate, and to me Watergate was nowhere near the, the, the seriousness of this matter. It was the Republicans who said to Nixon that he needed to step down because they realized what he did was terrible and it was wrong. And they looked at the situation and said, you got to go. And he did. And by the way, it was the civil servants of America that kept the, gov- the government running during that crisis created by Richard Nixon's, um, you know, <laughs> situation, if you want to call Watergate the situation. We should always be looking for justice. We should always be looking for the truth. I helped a criminal defense attorney in Hawaii when I was told that there was a farm in Hawaii that was falsely accused of knowingly hiring illegal aliens. I went to Texas where the law firm was headquartered. I spent eight days in Texas working 10 to 12 hours a day reviewing all the documents, and I came to the conclusion that, yes, This farm didn't do anything wrong. He hired illegal aliens. He didn't know they were illegal. He did all the paperwork properly. And they had high-quality counterfeit documents. And if you look at the immigration law, by the way, and this is something you should know, and there was just a news release about this from the Justice Department, to show you how screwed up our laws can be, did you know? Well, let me ask you a question this way, so we'll see what you think, and then I'll give you the answer. but But I want you to think this through. Imagine you hire a new employee. Let's say you hire me, and I'm not a citizen of America. Of course, I was born in New York. I'm an American citizen. But let's, for the sake of argument, say that you're running a magazine, and I come to you and I say, I want to be the editor of your publication, and I'm a citizen of Canada, just for the heck of it. And you say to me, all right, Mr. Cutler, and you interview me, and you say, wow, you've got exactly the background, the skills, the talent, and the attitude that we love, we're going to hire you, we're hiring you right now, we have to fill out the I-9. Now, on the I-9, there's a list of documents you can use. One document has to prove your identity, and the other document has to prove that you're authorized to work in the United States. To give you an example, if I gave you a driver's license and I gave you a Social Security card, the driver's license attests to my identity, the Social Security card attests to my authority to work in the United States. That would work. If I showed you a current U.S. passport, that by itself is all you need because clearly I've established my identity and the fact that I'm allowed to work in the United States because I'm an American citizen. <clears throat> but let's say I had a, a green card, but I couldn't find the green card. And I went to the interview because I didn't want to be late, but I was able to find my driver's license and my Social Security card. And you say to me, you're hired, let's fill out the I-9. And I show you my Social Security card and they give you my driver's license and you record all the information and you say to me you know what i know that the law says that all i need to see is a social security card and a driver's license but your driver's license is from out of state i've never seen a license from omaha let's say i'm you know from nebraska let's say i i I moved to to new york from nebraska i'm not familiar with a nebraska license i think this is okay but you know what i really want to do what's right how about if next week, at your convenience, please try to find your alien registration card. I'd feel so much more comfortable with the card rather than looking at a Social Security card because that doesn't have your picture on it. And the driver's license, I, I just don't know. I'd feel much better if you, if you showed me your green card. Legally, what do you think of that idea, folks? To, to really make sure that you're not hiring somebody who shouldn't be working. Sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? I'll give you two seconds to think. Is that a good idea? Are you okay doing it? Should you do that? Can you do that? Well, let me tell you, if you do that, you can be criminally prosecuted, criminally prosecuted, and that employee has every right to sue you for violation of his or her civil rights. What do you think of that? Because the way the law reads, you may not, must not indeed, ask for any more documentation than the minimum needed to satisfy the requirement of law. If you ask for any additional documents, you're committing a civil rights violation. Does it make sense? To me, no. And why this whole you know, laundry list of approved documents? If you have a green card, we need to see it. If you have a passport, fine. If you have, especially if the person says, I wasn't born in the United States, and here's my driver's license, here's my Social Security card, 
you would think you would have to show an alien card. That's why you were given the darn card. That's why you, they issue it. But that's how the law was written by corrupt politicians who want to play games because they really don't want the immigration laws enforced. And so if you ask for more or you sit there with a jeweler's loop staring at someone's green card and say, gee, this doesn't look legitimate, if it turns out it is legitimate, you might find yourself being sued. So these people all had decent quality counterfeit documents, and I helped the, the, the farm. Now, everyone's entitled to a legal defense. Alan Dershowitz, for whom I have tremendous respect, I think he's brilliant. I have the privilege of listening to him deliver a, a sermon at a Holocaust memorial service many years ago. My first wife, may she rest in peace, it's, it's 34 years since she's gone. Her parents were in the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp. So they used to get tickets to go to the memorial service at Temple Emmanuel, which is a stunning temple in, in Manhattan, not far from uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral. That's the beautiful thing about New York. Everybody from everywhere lives here. I'm a New Yorker, and I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. You know, you can take me out of Brooklyn, but you'll never get Brooklyn out of me. And, um, in fact, my, my current wife and I were married at Temple Emanuel in the rabbi's study. Beautiful synagogue. I, I don't know of any place that's, that's more beautiful in the United States. Um, so the point was, Dershowitz has always made the point that no matter what the crime is, everyone must get legal representation. Remember what the Supreme Court had said. Uh, you know, one of the justices, I'm trying to recall his name, but I remember the statement. I would rather that 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail. We believe in the presumption of innocence. And to set anybody up the way that Flynn was set up defies morality, it defies our law, it undermines our system of justice. This shouldn't be a left-right issue, folks. If you could turn criminal justice into a left-right issue then we're all missing the point of the exercise. It's about guaranteeing the civil rights, the human rights, and due process for everyone who comes under the bar of justice. It's like people have said to me, well, if someone's here illegally, they shouldn't have all those rights. They must have those rights. Would you really want someone to go to jail for a crime they didn't commit? Let's say you had an illegal alien who was deported, and he had a criminal history, and he comes back, and if he didn't have due process guarantees the way everyone else does, an unscrupulous prosecutor might say, hey, let's lock this guy up. He can't defend himself the same way an American can. He gets a scalp on his belt at a guy who may have been a bad guy but goes to jail for a crime he did not commit. It's immoral. It's illegal. It defies what America is about. I did my best to put people in jail when they were guilty. I did my best to arrest people. I did my best to see that we deported people. And I spent half my career chasing terrorists and drug dealers. And I used to go home at night very satisfied when I put those nitwits away, those dangerous individuals, get them off the street. Then you have sanctuary cities shielding them. And more people are dying as a consequence. Lives are precious. They're irreplaceable. That's why I believe so firmly in the system of justice, imperfect as it is. Anybody who wants to politicize what was done to General Flynn is missing the point to our system of justice and the presumption of innocence. Forgive me for ranting, but it is so offensive to everything that I believe in, it makes my head want to explode. To see FBI agents communicating back and forth, how do we set this guy up? And then I don't know if you folks saw the Comey interview when he went to the 92nd Street Y in Manhattan. And he was laughing and boasting, and the audience is cackling away like a bunch of dumbass chickens. Well, huh, I knew I couldn't get away with it over at the Bush administration or the Obama administration, but, yep, this administration was so disorganized, I knew I could get away with it. So I sent some FBI agents over to the White House, and everyone's laughing. I've never in my life heard a law enforcement professional who understood the severity, the significance of his or her oath that we take as federal agents, as law enforcement officers, to talk about getting away with something. And what did they get away with? They violated the civil rights and due process for General Flynn. Ha ha, big yuck. Big damn yuck. We've got to demand better of our leaders, folks, if this could happen to anybody. 
One day I had dinner with my mother-in-law. I asked her, my wife had passed away. We were sitting there, and I said to her, how the hell did the Holocaust happen? She lost her whole family. A big chunk of my family was killed as well. I was named for my mother's mother, who died in Poland because of our religion, because we're Jews. Thankfully, my mom was able to get out of Poland. She lived by herself in a rooming house at the age of 13 and worked in a sweatshop making umbrellas for $3 a week. And so I asked my mother-in-law, how did the Holocaust happen? And she said two things. The Germans had guns and we didn't, and we kept saying it can't get worse. And boy, did it get worse, unimaginably worse. We need to defend the Constitution. We need to defend due process. I remember some dumbass reporter uh, interviewed me shortly after 9-11. He called me up. I guess he didn't realize that my um, cell phone, which starts with 917, which is a new exchange then, a new area code, said to me, you know, they blew up those buildings in Manhattan, but that's one thing. But they just arrested a terrorist here in Ohio who wants to blow up the mall, who wanted to blow up the mall when my wife goes shopping with my kids. This is getting serious. And I said, you mean airplanes flying into the Trade Center, crashing in Pennsylvania, or slamming into the Pentagon? Not a concern for you? He said, why should it be? It wasn't anywhere near where I live. I don't have anybody there. I mean, Think of what kind of an a-hole this guy is. And he wanted me to tell him how you could sneak into the country if you wanted to. I said, sure, so you could put this out there in the news so America's enemies could come into the United States and maybe kill more of us. And I hung up on him. And I was so angered that I called up John Hostetler, who at the time was the chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. I called his staff, and I was doing many hearings. I think I did eight or nine hearings for John over at the House Judiciary Committee. And I said, the next time you call me for a hearing, I want an exhibit prepared. And I want for an exhibit a map of the United States with dots showing every place where a victim from 9-11 came from. So they might have been on airplanes, maybe they were visiting, whatever. But I want that map prepared. I want your people to research it. And I want that thing posted. And they did. They made it an exhibit and I was told that it was hung in a prominent location, I think perhaps under the rotunda for something on the order of six months. And it was a huge map. They did a beautiful, beautiful job. I wish I still had that map. And at the hearing, I said, no American city is safe if any American city is attacked. I'm here to tell you this evening, folks, no American citizen, no person, in fact, is safe if the criminal justice system can be perverted so that an innocent man gets prosecuted. And you think about this. Very rarely do crimes result in a trial. There are trials. But if every time there was an arrest there was a trial, the system would grind to a halt in about three days. Most criminal cases are resolved with a plea bargain. And in most instances, there's a lot of pressure brought to bear. I was always very careful as an agent that we did things properly. People can get railroaded. People say, why did Flynn plead guilty? Well, they told him they were going to go after his son. He was protecting his son. They told him he had, they had a preponderance of evidence. They really didn't. They never showed him the documents that they had. They lied to him from square A to square Z. And the guy ultimately exhausted all of his financial resources and finally said, you win, I'm broke. I'll plead guilty. He had no choice. They had him backed into a corner. God forbid this should happen to anyone else. This is not what America was founded on. This is not the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is how citizens of our country or anybody in our country, I don't give a damn if the guy was an illegal alien, you bankrupt the guy, and so you box him into a corner and say to him, okay, now what do you want to do? And by the way, if you don't do this, we're going to prosecute yourself. God knows what charges they were trumping up on him. So he pleaded guilty. And now everyone's screaming, but he pleaded guilty. Why did he? How are the people on death row there that pleaded guilty? We've got to be super careful about the way plea bargains are arranged, about the way that evidence is gathered, because we need to have respect for the rule of law. Otherwise, we have the mobocracy. 
not a democracy, a democratic republic in point of fact. Something I just had to get off my chest. So as you watch this unfold, as far as I'm concerned, anybody who participated in this disaster should be facing legal consequences because they undermined the Constitution, they undermined the rule of law, and they attacked a decent man for no damn reason. That should infuriate all of us. And I don't care if you're left, right, center, or, 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 you, or you belong to the Hopping Kangaroo Party. And by the way, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat, and I've never been more embarrassed to have to say that than this evening. Let's get back to China. The pandemic that we are facing, we, the human species across the planet, you could say had its origins in the United States. Now you're wondering what I mean by that. The technology to run that, that lab came from the United States. In fact, in, I believe it was January, the chairman of the Harvard, uh, the, the, uh, at Harvard's Chemistry and Chemical Biology Department was arrested for allegedly accepting well over a million dollars from the Chinese government without reporting it and working at the labs at Hunan. Now, I'm not saying he was involved with this virus or anything that relates to it. But the point is we have had the transference of our intellectual property to China literally by hook or by crook. They have been vacuuming up everything from us, engineering, medicine, biology, and on, if you go to my article, and I hope you will read it after you listen to my program tonight, there was a press release. Um, it, it, it said this. On January 28, 2020, the Department of Justice issued a press release, and the press release was Harvard University professor and two Chinese nationals charged in three separate China-related cases. And here's how it began. I'm reading now from the press release. The Department of Justice announced today that the chair of the Harvard University's Chemistry and Chemical Biology Department and two Chinese nationals have been charged in connection with aiding the People's Republic of China. Dr. Charles Lieber, 60, chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard University, was arrested this morning and charged by criminal complaint with one count of making a materially false, fictitious, and fraudulent statement. Lieber will appear this afternoon before Magistrate Judge Marianne B. Bowler in federal court in Boston, Massachusetts. Yang King Ye, 29, a Chinese national, was charged in an indictment today with one count each of visa fraud making false statements and acting as an agent of a foreign government in conspiracy. Yi is currently in China. Finally, Zhao Song Zheng, 30, a Chinese national, was arrested on December 10, 2019, at Boston's Logan International Airport and charged by criminal complaint with, attempt, with attempting to smuggle 21 vials of biological research to China. On January 21, 2020, Zheng was indicted on one count of smuggling goods from the United States and one count of making false, fictitious, or fraudulent statements. He's been detained since December 30, 2019. This has been going on forever. I've been writing about the threats posed to America by permitting Chinese students to come to the United States, study at our best schools, take home with them all that knowledge, and while they're here, they're very often tasked with committing espionage. The totalitarian, brutal dictatorship of communist China very often tells their people, while you're in the United States, we need you to bring back a secret. We need you to bring back technology. The Chinese have a name for it. They call it the thousand grains of sand. Our intelligence services call it a different thing. They call it Chinese takeout. Okay? Not being funny. They're being sarcastic. It's out of frustration. Chinese takeout. A thousand grains of sand means... If they want to learn about how we make the F-35 fighter plane, let's just say, they don't say to some Chinese spy, get us the blueprints for the F-35. That would be too difficult to do, and you'd probably get caught. So they have one guy get the, the, the diagrams for the nose gear, and someone else for the actuators for the control surfaces, and someone else gets the avionics package, and someone else gets the design for the engines, and so forth. And then when all of that information goes back to China, 
they assemble it like a big jigsaw puzzle. They've been doing this to us forever, forever. And then the Department of Education opened up an investigation after the arrest of Lieber because they said, what the hell's going on with this guy who was running the chemistry and chemical biology department of one of our best universities? They issued a press release because it was discovered. By the way, the, the woman who went back to China came here on, a, on an exchange visa, a J-1 visa, which is an exchange visitor visa, uh, and she concealed from us, this is what the lie was, that she is a lieutenant in the, in the, in the People's uh, Repo- um, Liberation Army, which is the Army of Communist China. And she was under the control of the colonel in their army and tasked with recruiting more spies, reviewing documents, um, that relate back to our military and stealing other secrets. All the while, she was supposedly here doing research. She's one of thousands, thousands, okay? So when you look at where we are today and how the lab at Hunan was involved with all this research, we've been funding it. We've been sending them scientists. We've been educating their people in the United States as they went about their business of building up China's technology that they very often threaten us with. They created artificial islands in the South China Sea, which is strategically super important because of natural resources, and it's also about gaining sovereignty over what should be international waters. And when our ships and airplanes get too close, they rattle their sabers. They threaten us with their military. And guess where the engineers who built up the Chinese military got their training? You guessed it, right here in the good old U.S. of A., So we've trained the engineers that are building the weapons that China now threatens us with. But don't worry about it, folks, because they're our most favorite trade partner. You know, it's just astonishing to me. It's absolutely astonishing. And then um, the Department of Education on February 12th issued a press release. U.S. Department of Education launches investigation into foreign gifts reporting at the Ivy League universities that included the subtitle, Since July, the Department, that's the Department of Education, has uncovered more than $6 billion in unreported foreign gifts from countries, including Qatar, China, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Why are they putting that kind of money into our schools? I'll tell you why. Because it enables them to get leverage so they could pick the members of the faculty and they could modify the curriculum to portray their countries in a different light from reality. We have wonderful countries. There's so much freedom in China. Sure thing. They've taken over a million Muslims in China and put them in what are essentially concentration camps. In China, you have no freedom. Google has helped them with this, but they won't help our own military. In China, you're not allowed to try to find information on certain websites. Google worked with the Chinese government to block those websites. And from what I have read, allegation here, Uh, Anybody who tries to go to one of those websites sets off alarms and the Chinese government is notified. I mean, (laughs) free, wonderful China. Yes, they're they're, they're liberalizing. Sure they are. Sure they are. And then on November 4th, 2019, the New York Times issued a report, Vast Dragnet Targets Theft of Biomedical Secrets for China. Biomedical Secrets. Here we go again, right? And this is a statement from that report. The NIH, National Institutes of Health, and the FBI have begun a vast effort to root out scientists who they say are stealing biomedical research from other countries from institutions across the United States. Almost all of the incidents they uncovered and that are under investigation involve scientists of Chinese descent, including naturalized American citizens, allegedly stealing for China. Think of the magnitude of this. 71, again, reading from this report, this this news release, 71 institutions, including many of the most prestigious medical schools in the United States, are now investigating 180 individual cases involving potential theft of intellectual property. The cases began after the NIH, prompted by information provided by the FBI, sent 18,000 letters last year urging administrators who oversee government grants to be vigilant. So far, the NIH has referred 24 cases in which there may be evidence of criminal activity to the Inspector General's Office 
of the Department of Health and Human Services, which may turn over the cases for criminal prosecution. Quote, it seems to be hitting every discipline in biomedical research, unquote, said Michael Lauer, Deputy Director for Extramural Research at the NIH. Think about that. And when they talk about naturalized citizens, you have to ask yourself how thoroughly did we scrutinize the applications for citizenship and what was done to convince these people who became American citizens to spy against us for China. Now, the other thing you should know, and I'm going to be writing another piece about this, there is a gentleman by the name of James B. Milliken, who is now at the University in Texas, who has been asked to provide all information about what his university has been doing with China. Now, what's interesting is that he previously um, was at the University of Nebraska. And at the time, um, and this guy's name is James B. Milliken, um, was touting the fact that he was working in close coordination with China, which is fine. It's not illegal. He's, he's reporting it. But the point is that China has been seeking out the ability to put their students at our schools and to put themselves in the position where they could commit espionage against us. And what do we do about it? Up until President Trump, we've done nothing. President George Herbert Walker Bush gave the most favored trade status. And I think it was pushed by Ronald Reagan. Bill Clinton ran with the promise that he would end it, but made it worse. Nobody has stood up to China until Donald Trump. Trump said we're no longer going to teach Chinese students those areas of engineering that could be applied to the military. Hallelujah. And he said we're no longer going to allow them to have practical training in companies where they can commit espionage against us. I'm sure China's not happy. I'm sure maybe they, they had the idea when this virus got out, hey, you know, they're on to us. Let's do whatever. I, I, is that what happened? I have no idea. I don't like to speculate. I was an agent. We dealt with facts, not speculation. But it's remarkable that in the middle of all these negotiations where Donald Trump uh, was, was trying to rein in China aggression against the United States, suddenly this would happen. I always look at timing. Timing is significant. So you have Milliken, again, probably did nothing wrong. I don't know. And now the FBI said, well, in Texas, the same sort of thing was happening. So they're asking for all of the information about any involvement that his, that his school may have had with the Chinese labs. Understand where they're getting the technology from. Had China not gotten American technology and intellectual property, God only knows that lab at Hunan might not even have existed, might not even be there today. There's real dangers in giving our secrets to countries that are our adversaries. You know, it's remarkable when you think back, and I believe it was 1953, the Rosenbergs were executed. They were executed for passing nuclear secrets to Russia. And it's believed that his wife really didn't do much. It was primarily Rosenberg himself. But apparently they made him, you know, watch the execution of his wife. And then he was executed because they spied against America. We don't do that here. In China, they do. China was determined to find spies operating at the behest of the United States. And according to news reports, not only were these people killed, but they were killed in public. People would walk up to them and shoot them in the middle of the street so that it was clear to everybody that they were shot in the head because they were consorting with the United States. They don't mess around. By comparison, we're just children in this country. When we hear cheap labor, we salivate. You have companies saying, oh, huh, we don't like those environmental standards in the United States. We don't like those labor standards. They're, they're irritating. Why should we have to clean up the environment? Why should we have to pay that kind of salary? You know? In fact, I was just listening to a report on Fox News that in Maryland, the people that, that, do the, that go crabbing and so forth, the seafood industry, complaining that they need more temporary foreign workers because Americans won't do the job because these jobs are, are very important and they have to be very skilled. So they want to bring people in that they're going to teach them how to do it. Why? Well, Americans won't do the work. We have an unemployment rate right now, and President Trump won't allow it. He won't give them more visas. And here's the deal. We have how many millions of unemployed Americans? 
some of them may find that the jobs don't even exist anymore. You can get an American to do any job you want, and the Americans will do it better than anyone else, but there's a caveat for a living wage. If you don't want to pay a living wage, then you bring in foreign workers, or you ship your company overseas, something that Ronald Reagan promoted. With all the deregulation, do what you want, think what happened. American Airlines, I'm sorry, uh, TWA Airlines, Pan American World Airways, National Airlines, Eastern Airlines, all went belly up. We don't need no stinking regulations. We've got to have rational thoughts here, folks, and put America first, not the bottom line. I understand companies exist for profit. I'm a capitalist. Be real clear about this. I am a capitalist. Put it in big capital glowing letters. But there has got to be a moral component to the decisions that we make and the actions that we take. So companies that don't give a crap about the environment and don't give a crap about people, companies like Apple, for example, you know, you buy their products in the pristine packaging. I love their packaging. It's like buying jewelry, isn't it? You take out that watch. You take out the, the, the Apple pen, the, the, the iPhone. Oh, my goodness, the packaging is just, wow, probably made by slave labor somewhere in China. You know, there was a story that the Foxconn, I believe it was Foxconn, was having the workers live in the factories with their families, and they were working them to death. And these people were so despondent that they were jumping out the windows. This was several years ago. They were jumping to their deaths because they couldn't take it anymore. And, of course, the Chinese government responded. You know, Mike Bloomberg said, oh, the Chinese government answers to its citizens. Yeah, sure thing. Keep on dreaming, mini Mike. What a buffoon. Here's a man worth over $60 billion, and he's close to 80. He really needs the money, otherwise he may not be able to buy hamburger. Couldn't bring himself to admit in an interview with NPR that China is a totalitarian dictatorship. The NPR reporter was stunned. He lives in a delusional world, in an imaginary world, mini Mike. And I don't like using terminology like that, but he makes my head want to explode, that you can't admit the truth, that he could be bought. One of the wealthiest men in the world can be bought because he still needs more money. He's pathological. He's like a cancer. Cancer has an insatiable appetite for nutrients, and, and cretins like Bloomberg have an insatiable appetite for wealth. More money, more money, more money. The interest on his assets pouring in through the windows is more than he can spend, but he needs more. Sickness. Sell his soul for a buck, and he's got 60 billion bucks. Wow. But at Foxconn, these people were being worked to death. And, of course, the wonderful Chinese government said, oh, this is terrible. We have to remedy the problem. Well, if it was the United States, we would force the company to treat the people differently. Not in China, folks. The Chinese, well, you know how they dealt with the people jumping out the window? They set up nets to catch the falling bodies. I kid you not. I was on a radio program when this was reported in the news. I was so incensed, and I said that if the Chinese leaders had a little bit of Western ingenuity instead of just knowing how to rob stuff, they would be creative. Why in the world would you put up nets when you could put up trampolines? A little sick humor, but it's not a laughing matter. So American companies move to China. China pollutes like crazy. They ignore safety standards. They ignore environmental standards. But these same companies in Silicon Valley will tell you about how green they are. And they are, except the green they're talking about has nothing to do with the environment. It's all about the other green, lettuce. They are green. More money, more money, more money. And we'll create a fantasy. They're concerned about global warming, and I really don't believe that climate change is, is primarily a function of human activity. It's more about the sun being a variable star and many other factors and then you're of course accused of not being ignoring the science uh, i can show you studies by some very prominent scientists that parallel what i'm telling you but that's for another day but again it's always the accusations we never have a serious conversation it seems that what we're getting from the radical left and these are the radical left is accusations and insults and threats that's why you have this power grab the woman being given a death sentence potentially because she opened her beauty parlor two days early death sentence. What is Cutler talking about? Well, the jail where she was sent by that imperious judge, wackaloon judge, 
had an outbreak of the coronavirus. Imagine if, God forbid, she was sickened because she was sent to a prison, even as these judges are releasing hardened criminals from jail for fear that they might get sick. But they weren't afraid that this woman who has a daughter might be made ill. And what was her crime? She opened up her beauty parlor and refused to apologize to the judge who thought he was a dictator sitting on the bench. This isn't what America was built on. Punishment needs to fit the crime. I was never squeamish about arresting people. Goodness. But is this what we've become? A woman said, look, I I respectfully tell you that I'm not being selfish. I'm trying to feed my daughter. And they put her in jail for seven days. All she needed was seven minutes when you think about social distancing. It was a how dare you moment. I'd like to have that judge spend seven days in that jail without a mask and see how it makes him feel. I hope that this woman gets through the next two weeks okay. And if she gets sick, she needs to sue that guy. There needs to be some kind of remedy. Punishment and crime need to match. I worry about miscarriages of justice, which is why I have problems with the death penalty, which is why I was happy to help that law firm that was representing a farm in Hawaii. And by the way, for the record, the two men accused of knowingly hire illegal aliens were acquitted of 15 count indictments each. I was very happy about the outcome. It's always about justice, not about how many scalps you could hang on your belt, not about how many times you could trample on the Constitution or the rights of our citizens or what's fair and just, what's fair and just. That's really something that every American should be very much concerned about, that our government support this notion of justice, justice. Flynn did not get justice up until now, but I suspect he will now. But a message has to be sent to the politicians. This isn't the way that they should be uh, demonstrating their leadership because their egos demand power. We're living in a very dangerous era, and we need to have moral leaders who put the rule of law and what's in the best interests of America and Americans ahead of all else. And I don't see it happening frequently enough. The coronavirus doesn't single people out by race or religion, doesn't single people out uh, by the money they make. There's, There's concerns that people living in poverty and people of color seem to be getting sick a lot more than people who aren't of color. Maybe there's a genetic component there, so let me not misspeak, but there may also be a matter of how these folks live and what kind of food they're eating and so forth. If that's the case, the best solution is to get Americans out of poverty, to provide American kids living in poverty with opportunities to go to school for free if need be. If I had to pay for my education, I would have been in big trouble. I lost my parents both to cancer while I was in college within a year of each other. That education made all the difference in the world. If you really want to look out for American minority children, give them the opportunities that they need to get out of poverty, not by becoming involved in crime, which was what runs rampantly through poverty-stricken neighborhoods, but through education that lifts them up. But as long as companies are more concerned with hiring foreign workers than American kids who they see as disposable, we're not going to change the circumstances. Countries need to look out for their citizens before they look out for anyone else, the same way that parents make certain to take care of their own children before they give money to charity. No rational parent would give money to charity if their own children were going to bed hungry at night. Far too many American children do go to bed hungry at night. It's time that morality became the guiding force. I thank you so much for spending this hour with me. I hope it's helpful. I hope it's thought-provoking. Please have these conversations with your neighbors. Let's leave the personalities and the accusations out of the conversation. Let's just look at the cold, hard facts. Let's look at the truth. And there is, after all, only one version of the truth. Stay well, everybody. Take good care of yourselves. And please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a good weekend, hopefully, with the people that you love and that are important in your life. See you next week.